Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. (laughs) His partner is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas? It's another week, and that means another episode of Catch and Shoot 2.0 with myself as well as Otto Strong ignites and with that i want to play everyone's favorite game on this show and i think it's my favorite game but where in the world is Otto this week what's up Otto? how's it going <laughs> hey how you doing so uh this week Otto is coming to you live from manchester connecticut uh those who have uh, followed last week you will know that i was in fort worth texas uh, i just uh, took on the job of sports editor at the fort worth star telegram uh, I am still the sports editor at the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, but um, I left to get down to Texas in cover of night uh, because of an imminent firing, um, um, Jason Garrett and the, and the, and the Cowboys. So uh, I did that, but now i got to actually move stuff down to Texas. So I'm back here packing up uh, my my 10 pairs of Air Jordans and, uh, you know, the skivvies that I didn't bring the first just, time around. <laughs> just 10 pairs of Air Jordans, though. That's, that's, that's kind of amazing that there's only 10 pairs of that. Well, I only have ten pairs. I mean, there are people out there, as you know, uh, who 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 dabble into the you know triple digits and four digits, and and I and I venture to say you and I probably know some of the same people who who can check those boxes. Oh, I, oh, absolutely. I was telling you this off off air though, but I once knew a guy who had over fifty pairs, and so I guess that's good to open this up too. But if you are a Jordan shoe collector or a Jordan enthusiast, go ahead and hit us up on Twitter at Aaron underscore Berlin at Pure Hoops Media at Otto Strong. We'd love to hear from you guys, but Otto, you know, before we get too much into what we're going to talk about today, you know, our colors on this show are red and white, and I had a tremendous weekend. This is an NBA podcast first and foremost, but my Kansas City Chiefs were left dead in the water down 24 to nothing to the Houston Texans. Patty Mahomes, my man, made it happen, and I couldn't be happier. I am on cloud nine right now. Do you watch that game at all? I watched a part of the game. I was one of those people who just kind of shook my head when it was 24 nil. And then, and then I, and I did something, I heated up some pizza, came back and it was like, and all of a sudden now they were up like by a whole lot. I don't know how that happened. Uh, I'm happy for you. Uh, I I think, I think, I think they have a good chance to go all the way. And then I mean like all the way, all the way. So, you know, hopefully your, your, your guys pull it out and you, 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 you get that W. Well, I'll tell you what, if they win this week, it'd be the first time in over 50 years that they would have made a Super Bowl. So we'll see if it happens or not. But I'll tell you what, you know, for the first time since November, we saw Kyrie Irving back on an NBA parquet. I guess what was your takeaway from this? Uh, What was your takeaway for the Nets? And kind of is this Nets team who's kind of floundering in that playoff race right now? Does this give them a little bit of a spark? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, they were holding down the fort as best they could. They knew that Kyrie was was coming back. They knew that that uh, that I, that clearly his play would lift them. And so now the question is, um, hasn't played in a couple months. So so what's it going to be like? Is he going to be able to? Because um, they're 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 needing him to go to work right away. They, you know, this is not one of those deals where you could kind of you know play your way back in. So uh, I, I, look, I th- I think he's going to provide the spark. It's coming just at the right time, um, you know, for them. Um, so you know, what what I wonder is is you know, when a guy comes back, how does the how does he you know, especially the alpha like like Kyrie, how does he fit into the the mix with everybody else? Um, you know, clearly he's the guy who needs to have the ball, but you know, what does this do, and what do you think it's going to do for the rest of the squad? Well, that that's a really good point. You, you know, Kyrie's kind of an oddball, right? Like, like it's safe to say that with everything that's been spoken about him, with some of the comments that he's made throughout his NBA career, but he is an alpha dog player he is kind of the world that that team revolves around and kind of the interesting thing was you know early on in the season before he went out in mid-november and he missed 26 games spencer dinwiddie was coming off the bench for that nets team when he came back the other night they elected to put spencer alongside with them and i think spencer had about eight assists in that game Kyrie went off he shot 90 percent for the floor and those two looked in sync you know, so much of what made that Nets team so good last year was kind of the cohesiveness of which they played with. And, you know, if that Nets team takes what we saw on Sunday night and that continues on throughout the rest of the season, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities that this Nets team could potentially be in the five seed, in the four seed. Do I think they're a top three team in the East with a healthy Kyrie? No, but I think that they're good enough to where they could make some noise in the NBA playoffs, but it's, it's a good point. What you're talking about how he plays alongside with Spencer Dinwiddie. And if it continues the way that we saw the other night, that's what's imperative for this Nets team. Oh, there's no question. I mean, look, a healthy Kyrie led team is going to give any team, any team problems in the first round. I mean, uh, clearly, well, I shouldn't say clearly, I don't feel like they'll fall to an eight seed. Uh, Milwaukee is probably the only team they could dispatch with them, you know, fairly easily. And maybe you could make a case that Boston would as well. But um, for the most part, I don't think any team uh, on the opposite side is going to be looking forward to, uh, uh, you know, to seeing Kyrie, um, you know, when, and, you know, Kyrie, when the game is on the line, Kyrie, when the lights are on, <laughs> we, we've seen what Kyrie does in big moments and in big games. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't want to be someone staring down, down the barrel of, of that, uh, of that Kyrie. So I, I guess, you know, and maybe this is the last thing we, we talk about when we speak about this Nets team and where this team is going. But at 18 and 20 right now, there's seven games back in the win column of the five seed. And, you know, they've played pretty much a month and a half. And I think it's 25, 26 games that they've played without him in that lineup. But is this Nets team, with what you've seen, are they any better than a team that took the sixth seed in last year's Eastern Conference playoffs? Well, like, I mean, look, they have tremendous confidence now. I mean, like you got, you know, SDA, like we were saying, um, you know, Harris shooting a three. I mean, they, they do have guys who had to get it done without Kyrie. And so now, um, you know, they're just, I, I think they're just going to be, their spirits are just, spirits are just going to be buoyed by the fact that he's back. So, you know, I, I, you know, I think they were, like I said, going to be a dangerous squad and probably will be able to contend, you know, aside from Milwaukee, contend with anybody, um, you know, with anybody else uh, that they're facing. now. Uh, so we're going to transition here because the Nets are about to face the Jazz, which is our next team that we want to talk about. It's so, crazy. How, it's crazy how everything's cyclical, right? Like we talk yeah. about one thing and it just bleeds right into the next. You know, you know, this is what happens when you play in a show. 
well, you folks out there, this is this is what we do, you know, and with our producers, you know, Scott and Bruce, uh, this this is what we do. We do this for you. It's a labor of love. But uh, but but let's talk about the Jazz. Jazz are a team that has reeled off nine straight. Um, they are the team they that good. yeah, and they're the team that like like everyone's like, okay, where did they come from again? Like, you know, and so, so, so now the, the, the jazz are, are, you know, for folks who have uninitiated, yeah, you have to take them seriously. You're going to have to watch them because if they somehow pull out a victory on the road against the Nets in Brooklyn, that'll be 10 wins straight. And that's crazy to think that in a Western conference that it's got all of the teams that we've talked about before, uh, Houston and the Clippers and the Lakers, obviously that the Utah jazz could be the second seed. I mean, Aaron, did you have the Jazz in the two spot? Uh, definitely not the two slot. You know, I thought maybe at best four, but I probably thought that they would settle around that five. You know, I think everyone knows how good the Lakers are, how good the Clippers are, how good uh, the Nuggets are, especially in the Western Conference. But I don't think anyone thought that they could be this good. And, and I'll tell you one thing, Otto, that's been really impressive during this run is how good they've been defensively. You know, that's kind of the, their mm. calling card the last few years. And a lot of people have said that they haven't had the offensive firepower. But now when you have Mike Conley alongside Donovan Mitchell and then you have big Rudy Gobert down low, you know, that's a formidable team. But defensively early on this year, I didn't think that they were playing at the same level that we saw them at last year. And then all of a sudden, when you start looking at a Quinn Snyder coach team and where that defensive rating starts ticking up and ticking up. And, you know, I think the last few years they were at least a top three defensive team in the West. They're top eight right now and it's showing and it's looking like a team that's more and more comfortable. And I'll, t I'll tell you what, healthy Mike Conley, a determined Donovan Mitchell, and it depends how long it takes him to get over this illness. But that's a really good team on paper and we're starting to see it on the floor. Oh, I mean, look, they've got, they've got, uh, you know, they're, and they they're got Joe coming Ingles up. too. Who's yes, having a yes, little bit of a renaissance yes, too. Yes. I mean, look, this squad is exciting. I mean, they, they have, uh, look, we've, we've known for, for years, their arena is a crazy place to play. It's a hostile environment for anybody coming in. Uh, you know, they love their jazz. Oh, they love their jazz. Something fierce. So, uh, so, you know, if they're, if they're able to hold on, I, I, you know, I, I, say that like they may not be able to but why wouldn't they but if they're able to you know have a have home court uh you know we're obviously projecting a few months ahead here but if they are able to have home court uh in the in the playoffs i mean they would be i i, I kind of think i'm starting to think like well maybe they could be in the western conference finals i mean it's, i don't think it's beyond the pale to, to suggest that I, I i look at teams like the you know, Houston's uh, defense. May, what day is it today? Maybe we'll play mid defense. Maybe we won't. I mean, that that kind of um, that kind of attention to detail, the attention to defense in the, in the postseason is not going to get it done. Clippers kind of look like I'm sure they'll figure out by the playoffs time, but but sometimes they look like they're a little vacant. Uh, other times, no. So you know, as you mentioned, Quinn Snyder coach team. Uh, he's going to have those guys prepped and ready to go and ready to roll. So well, I, 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 yeah. And this is my last question for you on this, because this is while we're on the topic, it's something that I thought for a long time. I don't know if there's been a better front office in terms of how they've acquired players, some of the trades that they've made, some of the deals that they've made in putting together this roster. I, I mean, think of what Quinn Snyder and that front office have done hand in hand. Not only do they acquire Donovan Mitchell, you think about Rudy Gobert, you think about Mike Conley and some of the other deals that they've made. So many people want to say smart up front offices are what build championships and win championships and this utah team has been a perfect example of that because 
I mean, quite frankly, they have struggled getting free agents there over the years, and that's the only way that they can build this team is through the draft and through trades. They've got a, a bunch of guys who've kind of you know decided they were going to kind of play together, work together, know their roles. Um, you know, it, it potentially could. I mean, Donovan's obviously getting the shine that 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 he's deserved for quite some time, and, and that was a great pick at thirteen. Wasn't mm-hmm, it? Mm-hmm. And they'll probably be. You know, I would imagine he would certainly be an all star after I believe the snub uh, a couple years past or last season, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. But you know, he, he's certainly on on the map and on the radar now. But um, but still, even with that, he's not all star. Yes, but he's not the you know the 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 major star in the way that that um you know in the way of like a lebron or or Antetokounmpo or you know or steph curry or, so, or someone like that but at, at the same time i'm not trying to take anything away from him he's a hell of a player all-star deserves deserves everything that's coming to him but um but at the, at the same time he's just you know he's he's not kind of that guy at least yet you know who knows maybe have one of those um, Damian Lillard type moments in the playoffs where, <laughs> you know, knocking down that, that, that deep three or something like that. But, uh, but uh, I'm just, I'm excited for, for what they're going to do and, and how they're, you know, you know, likely, hopefully, you know, mix up the West. Um, Cause I think everyone had it scripted. Okay. LA, LA. And yeah, maybe we got to throw Houston in there, but Utah jazz. It's time once again for that catch and shoot 2.0 favorite, old school, new school. So our old school, new school segment this week. Uh, Russell Westbrook was playing in OKC uh, as part of a Russell Westbrook night. And Kendrick Perkins, uh, former former Oklahoma City player, made comment made a, made a comment that, uh, that, that Russ Westbrook and not Kevin Durant was the best player in Oklahoma City Thunder history. Now, before we get into that, what happened after that is a little bit of a feud, a little bit of a Twitter beef between KD and Kendrick Perkins, and we'll get in. We'll get into the to the, the who said what and when uh, in, in in just a second. But uh, part of just the, the underlying context here, part of the issue is that uh, a, whole, a number of players, current former, had issues with KD leaving Oklahoma City and going to the Golden State Warriors a couple of seasons ago after the Warriors were basically one game away from winning a title. So that's kind of the underlying, you know, you know, uh, drama here. Um, we're going to get into the, the whole issue of, of uh, whether players should win uh, or w- whether players should you know, leave their teams and, and join others. Um, but I want to kick it to Aaron first and Aaron's going to kind of go through the tweet just so, so our, re- our, our viewers have that, uh, have that uh, available. Yeah. Otto, and you know, one of the interesting things about this is kind of, Twitter creates a conversation, right? And allows players to talk to each other through different time zones, through different plays. And the, the interesting thing, and before we kind of dive into this is, you know, how much of this stuff would have happened kind of in the eighties and early nineties, where you would have had conversations, or you would have had Twitter beefs like this between NBA stars, but there wasn't a platform like this. You know, the only way that you were going to say something like this was if a TV camera or a radio microphone was in front of you. You know, you weren't going to have an off-the-cuff conversation from a player who played with a team like that that you would have now. And, you know, that was kind of my first thought about this is obviously those Thunder players were very, very hurt when Kevin elected to go to Golden State. But at the same time, you know, KD makes a business decision for himself and wants to win a championship, which is understandable. And he feels that Golden State was his best option, that's in his own right. 
Now, it's okay for players to feel burned, to feel frustrated, to feel kind of betrayed. And I think that's kind of a lot of what we were seeing was what that Oklahoma City Thunder culture was like in that moment where players didn't necessarily trust each other. But the first thing before we get into that thread is, do you think we ever would have saw anything like this in the 80s or 90s if Twitter would have been around then? Well, the first thing I want to say is, could you imagine Twitter in the 80s with Charles Barkley? I mean, like, <laughs> oh, it would have been tremendous. I mean, my, my belly oh, We already get magic right on Twitter, which is something. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, that, that, that may be a, a show in and of itself, you know, who, who in the 80s would have, would have blown up on Twitter. <laughs> but, um, but, but no, I mean, look, you, in the 80s, look, it's a different, different era, um, but you basically would not have had, um, you know, the, the, the super team kind of, um, you know, one player joining another one. I could not imagine, fathom for the, for a moment that Patrick Ewing would leave New York and like go to Chicago to join, <laughs> join Michael Jordan. Um, you know, or or any other combination. Like, you know, I mean, I realize yes, Carmelo did go to Lakers, but like in his prime, would he have done that? I mean, hell no. That's just that kind of thing just would not have happened. Yeah, and but, and and maybe that's a bigger point is that these guys are, are all friends now. You know, in that era, I don't know if they were friends, right? Like, like all these guys grow up playing AAU. A lot of them know each other in college. They've been through the circuit with each other, and so when we get instances like this on social, you, you know, not that it's hatred or it's or I, I think a lot of it's more friendly banter than anything, but I, I just can't imagine that happening. Yeah, the, the, I mean. Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, st- the stakes have changed. I mean, like, you know, there were there were teams that downright hated each other. I mean, you know, like Pistons, Celtics guys like brawling, and then afterwards, it's like, like we really can't stand them. And you know, as a as a New Yorker, Knicks Bulls, those guys hated each other, hated each other. John Starks, uh, Oakley Mason. I'm talking about my New York my New York um, guys, but but uh, yeah, there, there was no love lost between those teams. You know now. Uh, at, you know, in this era, obviously Wade is retired, but you know, not too long ago, you know, Wade would have have you know wine with <laughs> with LeBron or, or guys who were opponents. Um, it's just a very different um, culture and atmosphere. Yeah, it's it's the banana boat players, right, and everything that they bring together. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. And anyway, here were the tweets that were in question. Kendrick Perkins started this all off, and you mentioned that it was Russell Westbrook night inside the Ford Center in OKC was the first time that he had returned to Oklahoma City since the summer trade that sent him to Houston. And so obviously for Thunder fans and with how passionate they are, this was a big night for them. Because remember, when all this went down, Kevin was the one who left Oklahoma City, you know, and Russ then the following summer signed that huge five-year Supermax contract. And I think you can fact check me on this at the time, but I think he was the very first one, if not, it wasn't John Wall, that signed the Supermax at that time. So it was a big deal that he was committing to stay in Oklahoma City in kind of a moment where everyone felt like, um, you know, that the ship was sinking, that they were going to lose their two-star players. But Kendrick tweeted in that moment, KD lost in the second round without Russ when I was there. So what that mean? And KD responded, and this was the first part of it. He said, yeah, and our starting center, Kendrick Perkins, averaged a whopping two and three during that series. You played hard, though, champ. And so I guess before we get into the second half of that, you know, I mentioned it kind of speaks to what the Thunder culture was. And you mentioned early on what players thought about KD and kind of some of the underlying issues there with him. How much does that one tweet kind of speak about Katie's personality from what we all thought during his time in Oklahoma City, where he was kind of like this carefree, quiet guy? 
And then it kind of seemed like the second he left Oklahoma City, we started seeing more of the actual personality of Kevin Durant. But what we also wound up, wound, wound up seeing or was seeing were, were other guys taking taking shots at him. Um, yeah. And, you know, like, look, on the one hand, we say, um, you know, players should be, should be out there and, you know, busting his butt and, and, and playing as hard as he can. And, and this guy with, what, four scoring titles? And on the, with the same breath or similar breath, we're saying, but how many rings does he have? And so, you know, you know, yes, it, it was a, it was a business decision as far as I mean, both you know, monetary, but also you know, what what a ring means and and what uh, you know potential legacy Hall of Fame. Look, he's, he's a Hall of Famer no matter how you slice it, in my in my opinion. But but you know, he's a guy who certainly wanted to go in with with rings and not have the tag of yeah, but he never won the big one. So you know, he made the choice. And, and and he left. Um, uh, as as for um, as for the, the 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 type of guy that he is, um, he's hella competitive. I mean, I've spent time with him. I've interviewed him. Which um, most, most alphas are right. Like if you're if you have a player who's an alpha on your team and he's not ultra competitive, that's a problem. And, and you know you, you'll say that's not really the type of player you want on your team. It's a right, but at the same time, he was a he you know he was a quiet guy. I mean, he 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 didn't you know there was not a lot of flash uh, you know to do him he, in 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 that regard. I mean, his you know he let his game do the talking. Um, you know, but but make no mistake. I mean, he's you know certainly you know wants to be as as he as he told me two days before the draft. He said, "I want to be the best player that's ever played the game." Those were the, like the words out of his mouth two days before the draft. Uh, and you know, in large part, he's basically you know, on the on the road to do, on the road to doing that. And at times, has has been that guy. Um, so like, I, he, he takes incredible amount of pride in in what he does. I don't think he entered in, into the decision lightly. Um, you know, knowing him or remembering him. Um, and so I, I think that those are, um, I think that really struck a nerve with him. And I think that he definitely, you know, did, did he, you know, I don't want to say lash out, but, but he, did he respond um, in a way that, uh, you know, uh, yeah, he, he felt badly and he, and, he, and he responded the way he did. Absolutely. And, and I'm just going to say this. I am here for the heel version of Kevin Durant. I love it and I'm about it. And he's a guy that just wants to do what he wants to do. And he doesn't care uh, who he has to step over in his way. So anyway, here is the second half of the tweet that we didn't talk about. And I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to tee you up for something here that I think you're going to really enjoy. Uh, Perkins tweeted, quote, boy, stop. You did the weakest move in NBA history with a lot of exclamation marks. And he goes up on a team three, one in the Western conference finals. He's referring to the golden state warriors in that moment. And then go join them in the following season question mark. Part of a champion right there. So I ask you, Otto, in this moment, is that still the weakest move in NBA history? Mm. Uh, wow. I mean, it's, it's it's certainly the the, the highest profile. I and mean, I don't, I, don't, I can't. I'm, I mean, I'm trying to think of something else that would that would rival, you know, that. I mean, you know, yes. I mean, Shaq, uh, you know, went went to LA, but it, you know, but it's not like. It's not like they were on the doorstep of a title. You assume that they were going to win one, but it's not like they had it right there. Um, some people, may, LeBron haters, may say, "Well, you know, the, you know, teaming up with, you know, joining Wade and then and coming down with Bosch, uh, maybe that's a, a you know a, a, a weak move." But I I I, I got to think that the that the KD um, going to Golden State, in if we're talking about in this parlance, you know, kind of in this way that that under those rules that that yes that would have to be seen as the as the weakest 
Uh, I, I can't. If there's another one, it's not hitting me. You got one? Well, the, so the Shaq one, obviously, here because I live in Orlando still. I, I mean, they talk about that Orlando Sentinel poll that ran, and they say that was the driving force behind Shaq leaving to go to L.A. No, Shaq wanted to win titles with Kobe, and that's the same thing that Kevin Durant wanted to do in this situation. It goes back to what you said. KD is a guy that's driven by championships, that's driven by the desire to win and to be the best in the sport. And that's what alphas do. And in that moment, he surveyed the land that was the NBA at that moment. And he said, this is the best way because of a unique situation and the rise of the cap at this moment and where everybody else is positioned in the NBA for me to win a championship. And I'm going to go do that. And I thought the bigger move in all of this, and I, I think there's a conversation to be had about his desire to do it in another market, was, you know, he said, I, I've done it here. I've established that I can win a championship. Now I'm going to go off and form my own team in Brooklyn, grab the point guard that I want, and I'm going to do it in another market to prove that I wasn't a joke and that I couldn't win a championship because I had this great team around me. I mean, isn't that fair to say that the, the move that he has done now and jumping to Brooklyn is far more impressive than I think anything he could have continued to do in Golden State? Oh, it'll, it, look, it'll be impressive if they if they if they win, <laughs> if they if they implode or if there are, you know, if, if ego becomes an issue, um, then 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 look, it's going to be a tremendous story you know, either way. But but uh, look, I, I am I am on board for this ride. This is this I, I, mean, I can't wait for um, the rest of this season is exciting. But but uh, that that is going to be uh, a drama in and of itself. Bruh. All right, Otto, it's time for, I think, everyone's favorite segment. It's certainly my favorite segment. It is our bra segment, and it's that time of the week where we pick out our funniest, wackiest, most out-of-control things that happen in the NBA that seem to happen weekly. And the one that I picked out, and I'm sure you saw this, was Zion Williamson. Everyone knows him as the number one overall pick, the big dunker, the big athlete. But what we have not seen is Zion Williamson play in the NBA just yet. But part of the things that we have seen is Zion falling asleep on an NBA sideline with his team going to overtime after they had squandered a 12-point lead. They ended up winning the basketball game. But come on, man. You cannot fall asleep in that kind of a moment. You are the franchise star. You are the face of a city. And honestly, I don't want to say the face of the NBA, but you're certainly right now one of the key focal points of it. You know a camera is going to be on you at every point. You cannot fall asleep during an NBA basketball game. It cannot happen. Even if you're bored, you have to look like you're in it. You have to look fired up, and you have to look in it to win it. <sighs> I know he's a rookie. I know that once he starts playing, he's going to be much more energized. Pelicans fans need this, man. They just had the Saints get bounced in the wild card weekend. They need some Zion, and they need him to look like he wants to be there. Bruh, figure it out. Okay, so now I'm in the Fort Worth market. I guess you might think that I'm going to come up with something Dallas-related every week. Not so. However, I am this week. So, so uh, Luka Doncic uh, played in the game against, against the Lakers on uh, you know, last Friday. Uh, and at one point missed a couple of free throws and did the did the kind of Superman jersey rip, um, which I you know on the one hand I'm like I, I get it you want to you want to be passionate and 
uh, and you really care. And, and, and however, this is like the second time he's done this move. Uh, it happened for those who recall, it happened against the Clippers back in January, so almost almost a full full year ago. And it's just like I don't know. I mean, I just want to say like you know you know pound your fist or something but you know the walk around with the jersey half just looked kind of kind of goofy and silly and i realize he's a superstar he's 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 going places he's gonna he's gonna be the real deal but uh and and i also get he's 20 and i'm not i'm not trying to not trying to you know uh take him down for that or anything like that but uh you know if people saw all those stupid things i did when i was 20 <laughs> that'd be a whole nother show but uh so my brother week is simply bro keep your jersey together man All right, Otto, we've already had our fun this week, but now it's time to kind of take a look at our mailbag, some of the questions that were submitted by our listeners. This one comes courtesy of at JonasD90. His name is Jonas Nordman. He goes, what do you think the chances are of the Lakers trading Kuzma, or do you even think they should? I say the chances of something like this happening, specifically a Kyle Kuzma trade, are actually pretty good. I think the one thing you look at when you look at that Lakers roster, and it's the one thing that I really think LeBron needs in order to be a championship level team, is they need some kind of a sharpshooter, whether that's a Buddy Heald, whether that's another player out there. But I think the likelihood that a player does get dealt and the Lakers make some kind of a move is very high. Now the chances that that's Kuzma, I think because of the assets that they have and what they have around him and kind of the pick capital that they have, I think he's by far the most likely player to be moved. What say you? Well, look, I, I, lo- I love me some Kuzma, but um, you know, this team is, is built to win now. It's has got to be a team that's built to win now. So um, you know, to get that sharpshooter that they, that they were you know, looking to, uh, to get their hands on, to get over the hump, uh, if if they feel like they need to get over to to whatever degree that a team that is in first place in the Western Conference needs to get over the hump, but um, I, look, I hope that that he sticks around just because I I like his style and I think he meshes with them. But I could certainly understand him going. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do the wishy washy fifty fifty. Sorry. Well, that'll do it for us this week. Thanks to all of you for listening to Catch and Shoot 2.0. We appreciate each and every one of you who join us each week. Thanks also to our producer Scott Turkin. Bruce Bernstein, and our editor, Ben Wolfen, for being such great teammates. Please check out all of our other Pure Hoops media shows. And just a reminder, the Mike Weiss Show has a new episode each Monday. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt is each Thursday. And the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman drops every Friday. As for Otto and myself, we're back each Wednesday with Catch and Shoot 2.0. Please check them all out. Download and subscribe, rate and review. You guys have no idea how much that does, not only for building the brand, but pushing our show as well. And thank you so much for listening. We hope you guys enjoyed it, and we'll see you next week. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.